Welcome to the Second Success Podcast by Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Getting clear on the mindset for repeatable success. Hello and welcome to the Second Success Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. On today's episode, I have Dr. Patrick Porter. He's an award-winning author, speaker, and the founder of BrainTap, the leader in technology-enhanced meditation. Dr. Porter pioneered the use of brainwave entrainment to improve clarity, sleep and energy, and remains at the forefront of scientific research. He founded BrainTap with the goal of making this technology accessible to everyone. BrainTap uses creative visualisation and relaxation to help people overcome stress and insomnia, lose weight, stop smoking, manage pain, accelerate learning and much, much more. BrainTap offers over a thousand original audio sessions in 12 languages and serves a worldwide user base with its mobile app and headset. Dr. Porter has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, People, Entrepreneur, Inc. and on ABC, NBC, CBS as an expert in brain health and wellness. And in 2020, Dr. Porter received the International Association of Functional Neurosciences and Rehabilitation Lifetime Achievement Award. I was absolutely fascinated listening and talking to Dr. Porter, so I'm really hoping that you really enjoy this interview with him. Thank you and welcome to the Second Success Podcast. Today I have with me Dr. Patrick Porter. Hello, Patrick. Hello. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. Thank you. Um, We recently met at the Biohacking Conference in Los Angeles where... I was fortunate to try out your product, BrainTap. And uh, before we go on to BrainTap in detail, I do want to talk to you a little bit about what's been driving you and driving your success. Well, I think the key thing was that I was helped uh, when my father got helped through something called the Silva Method back in the 70s. He basically transformed the whole family. There were nine of us. And uh, I was held back in second grade, and he taught us how to do this technology-driven meditation that Silva, they called it the Silva Sound, which actually balanced your brain. And he taught us how to go there, and they call it going to level, which is really going to alpha. And then you just visualize your results, and it helped me. I mean, I I actually have it all kind of told out in one of my books. I've written nine books, so the, the Awaken the Genius kind of tells that story, but how I went from a you know, this kid that was struggling in school to being an honor roll student. And, uh, you know, as a three sport captain basically changed my whole life because I changed my view of myself. Uh, and, you know, with my father's help and he got help. So the whole family basically became part of this self-help instead of dinner table talking about, uh, he said, she said, we started talking about bigger, bigger items with our brain, like what could we accomplish and things of that nature. So it's it, what strikes me there being a parent of a couple of kids is kids don't always listen to me. So what made you listen to your father? Or was that just ingrained? Was it something that you always did? No, I, my dad, I would tune him out just as fast as I could, you know, but what he did, he, once he got help, he realized that it was an education problem. It wasn't a behavior problem as most people think. And so what he did, there was a book called As a Man Thinketh from James Allen that I always recommend parents use. What he did with us, I remember at 12 years old, I got grounded and uh, this was, right at the same time he was going through all this and I was rebelling. And he said, you know what you're going to do every day, you can play in the summer, but you have to read this book. It's a very small book, mm-hmm. short, short book. So I had to read the book. Then I had to go to him and tell him how I was going to apply those principles. And I did it every day over the summer. Okay. By the time I got done with that summer, my whole 
outlook on life changed instead of being this negative kid that was always, even though I was faking it. I mean, I, at first I was just kind of going through the motions, yeah, okay. but and he was very good at, he, my dad would say, cause I knew he loved sports. So I used sports. I said, you know, I'm going to do this and that. He says, well, you know, faith without works is dead. So he had me, I had to put together a workout plan. And at that time we didn't have workout equipment like we have today. I mean, we mm -hmm. used a brew and two chairs and, you know, setups and pushups, but he had me start filling out a log. So I started changing my, the way that I thought about my body. And that, I think that changed my brain, okay. you know, the way, the way I thought about my brain. And you said you were a family of nine. So how did that, dynamic work with your siblings let's say were you supporting each other or was it you and your dad how did that work out well my older brother michael who works with us as our educational director he's more left brain so he kind of went to it like a duck to water mm -hmm. you know he he kind of saw the vision my my uh, the other family members we would do meditations together okay. and uh, one of the things that happened was just by sheer volume of what we're doing because my dad would do a course once he did the, the training, he actually became a Silva instructor. And he, he actually had the territory of Michigan, lower Michigan here in the United States. And so every other week we were going to help him do the seminar. So what was happening was, yeah. uh, even though it didn't matter if you didn't want to do it or not, because if he didn't fill the room, we filled the seats, <laughs> you know? So, you know, he'd have all us there. And then, uh, you know, after doing it for six to eight years, he started having us help and, but as far as the family goes, it's just Michael and I really that, okay, that went on and did something with it. The rest, they still use it in their life. And mm -hmm. we were very lucky because my dad didn't have a chance. Both his parents were alcoholics. And, you know, my, my grandmother was actually a drug uh, user because she was a head nurse at a hospital and wow. she prescribed herself medicine. She was, she was sent home from the doctor, sent home from the hospital when she was 63 because she, they said there's nothing they could do for her. Oh and she got off all her medicine and lived to be 93. So, I mean, there's, you know, so we, we kind of had a lot of things going with us, but the main thing was my dad, my dad would ingrained into us after he got help. He said, there's the, um, the only time that you're going to lack is with lack of knowledge. He said, you know, if you don't have the knowledge base of what to do, because we were, we were a very poor family of nine mm -hmm. kids, of course, especially with my dad being an alcoholic. And, but then everything changed for our family. We saw we moved into a bigger house. We started being successful. My dad went to school and got his PhD. I mean, everything changed because he changed his mind and that, that had a big influence on the family. A lot of people that I've spoken to and interviewed for this podcast, a common theme for their success and the drive comes out of necessity. So it's like you said, it's, it's escaping a life. Mm -hmm. And by the sounds of it, that's something that your father did mm -hmm. to achieve this success. Would you say it was the same for you, but or would you, or were you in a household where actually you found that it was okay because you know when there's a lot of siblings, you, you got you, you know you obviously play and fight a lot. Yeah. So it was all driven by your father. Is this almost like picked up by yourself secondhand? Then would you say? Yeah, I think what happened with me was uh, I. It's kind of sparked something in me that. Um, I don't like to do things alone. I'm more of a team player. You know, I like to have teams around me. So with what I did was I started groups. Like we, I started a running group. I started a weightlifting group. I started, basically I started building a team around me, even at a younger age. And that's what helped me, I think, to get the, where I was a three sport captain was people liked me. Cause I didn't, I wasn't one of those guys that was good at sports and beat up everybody who was, mm -hmm. you know, not as good as me. You know, I, I basically was one of those 
I called 40 second wonders, you know, 40 seconds left in the game. You run out there and watch the clock tick down. And I think that, uh, and I also believe because I was not given an opportunity before, not mm-hmm. that I, I think I was always smart, you know, like I became in school, mm-hmm. but I was more interested in, in just being alone and doing my artwork. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't care about it. But as soon as I, as soon as some meaning was attached to it and my, and I watched my, you know, we kind of had a competition in the family about who could go to level and create what, you know, like, what are you manifesting? What are you doing? Yeah. And it really ingrained in us. Um, I mean, I had siblings that, I mean, I, I excelled in sports, but I had siblings that were on the uh, national uh, track team, you know, the junior Olympics. And oh, things like that. I mean, they, they really went, a lot farther than I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have one brother that he, you know, he could do a memory peg system with over 250 people, which means you could put 250 people in the room, they'd say yeah. their name and their favorite animal. Go back two hours later, you could tell every person in the room what their name was, what their favorite animal wow. was. And, you know, <laughs> these are kind of the memory things that we see yeah. uh, Jim Quick do, but the, right. we did them back in the 70s. Wow. Wow. I, for me, you know, just you describing that reminds me of the adage of, uh, um, you're the average of the five people that you spend the time with. And it looks like you just definitely upped your average. And, um, you know, in business, we talk about mastermind groups, masterclasses, you know, you were doing it from a very young age by the sounds of it, just to expand your horizons. Yeah. Yeah. And and then when I got into business, um, you know, I went to college. I, uh, my dad was one of these, these guys, which I'm blessed because he said, Hey, if you're not growing, you're rotting, you know, one of those kind of things. So, <laughs> He started reading NLP books. This was back in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't understand them. You know, when I read the books, I was like, I was lost. <laughs> so he said, we got to go to a training. You know, we had to go train with, and that's when Bandler and Grinder were still together. So it was okay. a great training. You know, we had this great training. But then uh, I was lucky enough that in the group, most of the people going to those trainings were not therapists. They were real estate people because they wanted to be like Tony Robbins and, yeah. you know, be this master salesman. And, but I had a, I had clients but I, and so I would have the group come to my office once a week in between. And I, one of the guys that would come to the office to train, cause he didn't have an office, you know, he didn't mm-hmm. have clients. And I had people that, I mean, if I put out a list and said, Hey, these are, we're going to give you free sessions. So these people could practice. Cause the only way you got good at NLP was practicing, mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, one of them, his name is Jerry DeShazo and he, he became my mentor. And he actually watched me answer the phone when I first opened my clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona. And he said, Patrick, you're going to go broke. You're going to you're going to starve to death. You're terrible. And luckily for me, um, the universe brought me this this guy, Jerry, who's passed away now. But he he actually owned a company called Sundero, which 93 percent of all banks in the world used his software. And he was the guy that went around to the banks and sold them. So this is a guy that knew how to, I mean, he was a billionaire, you know, on paper, mm-hmm. but he was also this guy that, you know, he was very down to earth and very much, he'd come to my office almost every day, coach me, wow. teach me. He taught me how to do what I now teach as the enroll model to, mm-hmm. to our, uh, to our clinics, which basically means we don't sell people. We enroll them into a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot of it is just learning how to reframe things that mm-hmm. could be negative to somebody to be positive. And Jerry, I still belong to mastermind groups. I still have a mastermind group I go to and I still have coaching because I don't, I mean, I, I believe that I'm never done, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm always reading books. I read mm-hmm. at least five books a month. 
uh, the, or more, depending upon if I'm traveling, I'll do more. But the, you know, the whole idea is that there's always something new out there. I believe that the next breakthrough mm-hmm. is probably being discovered by somebody in their back office that nobody knows about. Yeah. And, I, and I want to try to stay in, on that curve because right now what I do in the brain, this is revolutionary times. I mean, people are realizing that we can change our brain. I know it's it's uh, something that I've been focusing on in terms of my coaching, in terms of my clients. It is about reframing. One thing I want to pick up on there is I'm glad that you're such an avid reader. Something that I go through phases of, let's say, go, go reading lots of books, and then I pause because then I think to myself, especially in terms of the, some of the self development books. Sometimes I think I like the fact that you said there's a lot of new stuff coming out because sometimes I do think that a lot of people just rehash old things and and just market it in a different way so what's been probably would you say your top three books in the last maybe five years that you would think well actually these are the ones that have been groundbreaking for me well i think the um i really like the 48 laws of power Mm -hmm. you know um and i always recommend the power of persuasion you know because we're always persuading people and that's the yeah. hardest thing to get through. I mostly work with doctors. So uh, they have a problem. A lot of them think, you know, that they're part of the priesthood or something that they shouldn't <laughs> actually charge money or they're, you know, they're feeling <laughs> guilty, especially the natural medicine doctors. Mm-hmm. I think even though it's not a new one, I think that um, the, the seven habits of highly effective people, I don't think you can do all seven of them in the eighth mm-hmm. one. I mean, it's impossible, but you got to pick the one that you're really deficient in and maybe bring that one up. Yeah. And and I think that uh, one of the ones that that I really, uh, really like recently is the Atomic Habits one. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Like, James Clear. Yeah. yeah. If we can if we can just take that first little step, that momentum that the brain has. But uh, what I've done in I haven't done it with all these books I just talked about, but a lot of the books in BrainTap, I've actually summarized them and made BrainTap sessions out of them because for me personally, but then I make them available in BrainTap because most of the self-help books, like you said, there's not a lot of new stuff out there, but there's a lot of new ways of saying it, like telling somebody telling their story and talking about things. So Mm -hmm. I'm always looking for ways to be a better storyteller and you know, help out my clients as well as the people. I don't officially coach people anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have a coaching program that I, I just don't have time for. Uh, I, I just refer them to people, but there's um, uh, basically, I'm always talking to doctors and trying to keep their head in the game. And <laughs> you know, that, you know, you got to go through a lot of people think stress is a bad thing, but without stress, we wouldn't learn and grow and develop. Course, so we got to look at stress differently and and, and stress is a good thing. In fact, uh, somebody was asking me just the other day, you know, what best ways to handle stress. I think they just put a bit of a poll out. And I, and I said, you know, for me, you need stress. You need stress to move forward. But the, the main thing is how you manage it. You know, you, you need to be able to manage stress. I'm, I'm glad we've moved on to that. And I was fortunate, like I said, met you at the conference. I was also fortunate to hear you and listen to you while you we went through some of the meditative experiences, which I thought were fascinated. And then outside, when I was speaking to people, they, you know, they were singing your praises, actually saying that you're one of the best people to listen to when it comes to, you know, meditation and uh, some of the things that you do, you, you, you know, on BrainTap, which brings us to BrainTap. Um, I know what it is. I've spoken to it about, you know, spoken about it to some people, but let's hear it from yourself. What is BrainTap? How did you start it? Because I think it's this huge phenomenon. And yeah, I, I, I hadn't heard of it until I came to the US, which really surprised me. And for me, I try and advocate it to people whenever I meet them now. 
um, especially my clients that are going through stress and overwhelm and anxiety. And um, it's just a different way to do meditation. So you've got aspects, you've got technology, you've got meditation, you've got cultural, you've got old school thinking, but actually you've just combined something here. So please. Right. Yeah. All the technologies, the five different technologies have all been proven to work on their own. What, what I did with a group in, in the 80s, actually, we developed the first portable light and sound machine. We actually designed it to, uh, for pain control. Mm-hmm. If you think we didn't have neural feedback back then. So when people are going, uh, I love it when people just start out and they say they're a binaural beat specialist or something. I'm going, nobody knew about those things until we started marketing them at light and sound research. And I'm just the only one. I'm the last one standing. You know, I'm, I'm now the old man when before I was the young man, you know, that was doing it. And what we did it for was when you think about relaxation and we t- think about the brain, pain only happens in one brainwave state. It's called beta. That's our awakened prevailing awareness. And if we can lower that beta, we lower our body's perception of pain because it's only perception. Mm-hmm. Uh, pain doesn't happen in the body. It happens in the brain. The signal comes from the body and tells the brain. So you can turn that off. I personally had a surgery with my shoulder with nothing more than my brain. My dad taught me to go in and, and had my shoulders surgery. And they took a piece of my bone and put it over here. No pain. I've probably seen no less than 100 women go through childbirth, telling jokes between contractions and having no discomfort or pain. That doesn't always happen. But mm-hmm. in a great number, we reduce that pain because stress exacerbates pain. So we couldn't measure the brain. We didn't even know exactly what the brain was doing at that time because there was no commercially available. I mean, at the labs and research centers, they did. So we used uh, what they call GSR machines, galvanic skin response systems, uh, hand temperature, respiration, breathing, mm-hmm. these kind of things. And we were monitoring it. And then we found out, hey, we're changing brain waves. And I knew it helped with school because I wrote about it in my book, Awaken the Genius. But the we didn't think there was a market there, but then there was a market there. And we started doing things with accelerated learning. Now we have 43 different, uh, basically genres we work with with brain tap because your brain's the center of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's being a good, we have a good, we have a program called the entrepreneur breakthrough Academy because to, to think like an entrepreneur is to realize, I tell them it's a beginner's mind. Like when we learn to walk, you mm-hmm. know, the, the way this, uh, the way the nervous system works is it'll try everything until it finds the right way. And when we're young, like a child, we forget all the negatives and we only focus on the positive. That's why we don't fall down all the time once we learn to walk. But as we get older, we start putting judgments on those. And we start, mm-hmm. we start uh, then identifying with them that we're a loser, that we can't do it, that we're not good enough. And of course, those emotional ties bind us. So what, in, what I did was within the, there was a series of events that brought me to brain, did, brought me to brain tap, but to, with light and sound research, it was a divine intervention really, because uh, I was told by a guy in Phoenix that I should go to this conference. And he felt intuitively that I was going to meet somebody that was going to revolutionize uh, my business. Mm-hmm. He even told me the woman's name. This is bizarre stuff, but it happened. And I have a recording of it because I played it for my wife because I didn't know her at the time, but he told me where I'd meet her and what her name was. So I had her listen to this recording and it changed the way I think. My dad used to run a, co- run a program in Kalamazoo, Michigan called ESP Forum. And they would bring out some people that just did some bizarre, th- some, some of them were really weird. But this guy, when he told me that, I met the people and it revolutionized the way I thought about my business, which was... Uh, I, I did. I wrote the programs for DUIs for the state of Arizona for mm-hmm. addictions. So I thought this would be really good for helping people on addictions. So the first thing was, how do we do that? Well, we have to get people out of their stress state. When you're when you talk about managing stress, 
Yeah. Everyone has stress. It's how do we manage it? And how we manage it is we have recovery. If mm -hmm. we only have times of stress, that's why in Stephen Covey's book, where I said the seven habits of highly effective people, you got to take time to sharpen the saw. Mm -hmm. For an entrepreneur, your saw is your brain. Your, your brain, your consciousness, your creativity, your ability to take action, those are your saws. And if you don't somehow sharpen them, get training, get coaching, whatever it is, they're going to get dull and you're going to lose, you're going to lose that um, zest for doing mm -hmm. it because being an entrepreneur, you got to be willing to get knocked down. You got to be willing to take out the trash. You got to be willing to do the payroll. You got to be willing. And then until you, until you don't have to do it anymore. I always tell people you have to do what you need to do to, you can do what you want to do. Yeah, so most people never want to, they don't want to do what they need to do. They just want to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And then they become a failure. So you, you've got to, and it's almost like you've got to be like an actor in a play mm -hmm. because I was the help desk for brain tap when it first started back in, uh, you know, 2013, yeah. you know, people called me, go, I'm talking to Dr. Porter. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have anyone else. I would, I took out the trash too. You know, that's the way it works. And it didn't take long for me to build it up. Cause I had a franchise company before that, that was very okay. successful. At first, I, I didn't think I could have anyone else do it till I did it. So as an entrepreneur, you've got to be willing to change states. But also, I think uh, with BrainTap, uh, you always want to bring people in that are smarter than you in certain areas. Yeah. And you got to put controls in place because sometimes you get too smart, you know, or they think <laughs> they're too smart and things like that. So I think what, what happened with light, sound and vibration, we, we first started looking at sound. This was before LEDs were commercially available. Okay. So they, they just came out and the EEPROM chip just came out. And there was a store here in America called a Radio Shack. Yeah, which we have uh, no, the yeah. old timers know. Yeah. So we actually built the very first ones from Radio Shack in the back room. You know, we were okay. building them and they were prototypes okay. and we were running out of money. So I said to the guys, I said, let's build 10 of them. I'll sell them and we'll get enough money to get us through the next two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I sold them in a week and they go, you sold those? I said, oh yeah, my clients love these things. They can take them home and use them. <laughs> and we had a pretty big practice. We had to stop smoking clinics. And uh, this was when everybody smoked in America. Okay. Now, thank God, not a lot of people smoke. Yeah. But at the time, you know, 53% of America smoked. So we had this, we had a, we would see 70 to 80 new clients every week in two wow. different locations. So we had a okay. lot of people. And so we basically sold as many as we could sell until we got that uh, in 89, we got the award uh, for the best new gadget of the year at Consumer Electronics Show. Every, entrepreneurs might think, gosh, that's a great thing. But yeah. it was a really bad thing for our company. I didn't own the company. I was the spokesman for the company. Okay. But that really buried the company because oh. they didn't know how to handle the orders. We got 100,000 piece orders. They had no money to do that. Oh, nice. So what happened was they, they couldn't keep up with the demand. So they actually went out of business, oh, but luckily okay. I had my business, which was called positive changes at the time. Okay. I sold that in 2002. But what I did is I went to the manufacturer and I said, look, don't, don't scrap these parts. I'm going to sell them for you. I'm going to sell them through my franchise. Mm -hmm. I didn't even have a franchise at that time. I just told him that I was going to start this franchise. <laughs> so we started a franchise and when I sold it, we had 108 locations and we basically, we sold them through there. And that's, and then I thought I was retired, not that I wanted to retire, but I just thought, you know, I was just going to speak and do my thing and maybe do some coaching. But then um, that company didn't last because they changed the whole framework. My, my philosophy, by the way, is help people, money will follow, yes. not make money, then help people. A lot of people have, I think they have that reverse, especially in the field that I'm in. 
Because if I'm not helping people, it doesn't matter how much money I make, it's not going to be sustainable. And the people I sold the company to, they were, because we were cash flowing pretty good, they just wanted to make money. And that's the wrong focus for for at least for a wellness company. You know, we we want to be able to prove that we were helping people. And then in 2013, when I was living in the Bay Area, San Francisco at the time, my, my grandson was just born. And um, my granddaughter was already here. She was three years old. And my, my wife said she was moving to New Bern and I was optional. So <laughs> I decided to move with her, you know, because the grandkids were here. <laughs> and, and I'm so glad I did. The, the only downside to New Bern, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of free time, but you don't have the workforce like you do in, in the Bay yeah. Area. Mm-hmm. So you got to bring people in from Raleigh or Durham or Wilmington okay, or something yeah. like that. In terms of... Um... You know, you, you built companies, sold companies, and you talked about entrepreneurs having to really do everything. Resilience is the key word for me there. Mm-hmm. Where did your resilience come from? Is it is it I just think, taking the knocks and building up over time, or is there key moments where you thought, actually, this is what really helped me build my resilience? I think growing up as a as a, you know one of nine kids, I was number three, mm. and I went to Catholic school, so I got beat down a lot. You know, okay. so and you know there was always something to overcome, and I was always underestimated. Mm-hmm. Everybody always underestimated me until I became they couldn't question me anymore. Yeah. But when I you know when I when I told my dad and I tell the story when I was a freshman, uh, we had to sit down and write our goals. We did that every year on the the first of January as a family. We would submit our goals to our dad. We had to justify. It was almost like defending a dissertation or something, you know. And I said <laughs> I was going to be captain of the football team. Yeah. And he's looking at me. I'm like 94 pounds. I don't even start. He says again. He reminds me, faith without works is dead. He says, how are we going to do this plan? I never missed a day running for eight years. Yeah. Uh, from that day, got wow. a track scholarship, but. What happened with me was I think you put yourself in a position for success mm. and I'd never looked at the, I, I put that away and I did it, but there was really no way I was going to be captain of the football team. I wasn't mm. like a favored person in the school. You know, they always have yeah. their, they always yeah. have their favorites. But what happened with me was every day when I ran, I didn't realize I was running by the coach for, for one of the other schools. Okay. And I didn't even know he lived there. But then when I went into the football team, uh, my senior year, they said, you have a new coach. His name is uh, Jim Ward. When I met him, he walked over to me. He says, hey, man, you're really dedicated. I see you run every day, whether it's snowing or raining yeah. or whatever. He says, he says, you're a great example. He says, in spring, spring, it was spring ball leading up to the next year. He said, would you mind putting, continuing your weight loss thing? But I want to talk to you a little bit about what's doing. So I started working with the coach who wow. was the new coach. And then he said, instead of doing like they usually did, he said, uh, all everybody, freshmen, juniors, mm-hmm. everybody voted for the captain. Well, I had a club that included freshmen, sophomore, juniors. And so when I was a senior, I wanted the landslide because they all loved me because I put together <laughs> all these training protocols. So I think you just do the right thing and then yeah. you get the opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not doing the right thing, you can't blame anybody but yourself. You got to, I, I was, and I didn't even know this term act as if, but mm-hmm. I was acting as if I was already captain. Awesome. You know, and yeah. so if you act as if, even though there were people that, that um, might have been better than me at different things, mm-hmm. but they weren't better at me at motivating people. Yeah. I mean, we, we had a really good, um, well, really the, good. Uh, yeah, this whole act as if it's um, it, 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 well, it comes. It's always to me, act as if is the mind over matter. If you if you believe it and you get your brain to think it, your actions and your behaviors will be according. 
to to your your thought patterns. Yeah, what happened to me too when I was a sophomore, uh, I got an opportunity to make mortuary stones. There, I mean, there's cement slabs that go, and then they put the mortuary blocks on top of them. Okay. And at first, I I did it because the pay was so good. But after about a week, I'm going, oh my god, what I get? Because every morning I have to mix the cement and make this. St- but <laughs> at the end of the summer, I had gained 25 pounds of muscle. Wow. Okay. And when I came to football from the year before, when I was like, I, I wrestled 112 as mm. a freshman, I was now 145, but pretty much solid muscle. And I could run faster. I was stronger. Oh, and, fantastic. and, you know, it was just like, because I think it was part of my mindset. I found a job over this, instead of me being lazy, like mm. nowadays kids over the summer, like my grandkids are doing something all the time. We never had that growing up. You know, we had, yeah. we actually had times where you'd get lazy, <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> you just watch television and sit around. Yep. But because um, in our family, if you wanted the extra things, cause there were nine kids, you had to go earn the money. Of if I wanted a car, I had to go make the money. So that's what yeah. I was doing. And, and, and I guess something else, what it sounds like your father did with, you know, all this goal setting, annual goal setting, other which I think is amazing. I think it's fantastic. I think more people should be doing of, but it's definitely living a life of purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we learned growing up. Instead of my dad sending us to our room after he got help and just thinking about what we did, because a lot of parents do that, go to your room and think about, that's probably the worst thing you can do for your kids Mm -hmm. because they already know what they did. Now you're making it worse. He would have us go in and read either a chapter of a book Mm-hmm. It could be thinking, grow rich. It could be the power of positive thinking. We had a whole bunch of books like that. We'd have to grab one off the shelf, read the chapter again, tell mm-hmm. him how we're going to apply it. And then we could leave or how we would do it differently. He, he started doing the reframing with us without us knowing that's what was happening, but he was learning about it through like frogs and the princess and those kind of books that, that were out there and available. Do you know what? I mean, if any, if I've taken anything away from this, uh, this uh, call today, Patrick, is that I might need to do things differently with my own kids. <laughs> the old ways of doing things i've got a lot of these books on my shelf i think i might need to try the same things i think it'd be very good um in terms of brain tap uh i like i said i had the um fortune to experience it myself i thought it was fantastic how are you looking but like i said i'd never heard of it until i came to the us are you looking to expand it further or wide what are you, what are you going to be looking to oh do? yeah looking yeah to we have it up or expanding actually yeah actually we have about 40 clinics in the uk we have 70 clinics in sweden and norway um, it's growing over there, but just slowly because we don't do as much over there. But like with Tim, with the Help Optimization Summit, we'll do more. But we're talking with a group in India because we have six um, universities there that are part of the AIMS, the All uh, Indian yes. Medical mm-hmm. Sciences. Yeah. And they, we're, they're publishing a lot of research for us. And, okay. I, and I love the Indian culture because we always look at ancient traditions. I always look at what, are, what is the ancient tradition? What's the modern technology? Mm-hmm. To give an example to the listeners here, if you've ever sat in front of a fire or meditated to a candle or just relaxed by doing a bath with a candle, the reason that candle or that fire works is your brain has an evoked potential to, it basically is reading the environment through frequency. And then our brain matches that environment. The mm-hmm. earth itself has a resident frequency between 0.05 and 100. So does the brain. It has an evoked potential. So that means that if there's a, if, if there's a candle out there flickering, that candle flickers at 10 hertz frequency it's triggering alpha activity. So oh, the brain mirrors that. The mirror neurons now go to work. They start mm-hmm. doing it. So when you think about the, the technology and, and what we're doing, that's part of it is just looking at what are the ancient traditions doing. And in India, we have I have a lot of good friends. One of our 
our board, we have two different uh, people on our research board that are from India. Mm -hmm. Dr. Varun has helped me publish three different papers with PubMed over the last three years, just on breathing and brain activation. Mm -hmm. Cause we're always proving, Hey, what can you do with the ancient traditions and how can we, it's easier of course, with brain tap. So people are going to, mm -hmm. but if you want to do pranayama breathing and different things, you can do it. And then Dr. Ravik Sharma, who's head of all physiology, because we change your physiology. And now we're learning that we change genetically. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm saying every person, every 40 seconds, every gene pair, is adapting to your environment. And so he's doing studies to show how brain tap, how the use of light, sound, and vibration. And what we're really talking about is how do we get energy into the system? The yeah. more energy we get to the mitochondria, then our, our true potential can be realized. You know, low energy is the cause of a lot mm -hmm. of bad decisions. You mm -hmm. know, food decisions, relationship decisions, pretty much everything. If we can of keep course. our energy up. So yeah. the whole idea with brain tap is to keep the energy up. And when we get researchers like, India, we have we have four different universities in Brazil that are doing some incredible mm -hmm. stuff. We just had a study finish that we're getting the paperwork on so I can start presenting it this next year, where for fibromyalgia, we beat out opioids in three different studies, which wow. means brain tap helped. Because remember, we started this with pain. So yeah. I said, we need to get back to our roots a little bit because these now that we're doing more with medical doctors, mm -hmm. they don't have to prescribe opioids for everything. I mean, it's better to do it short term if you need it. Yeah. But the reality is the... The addiction, some people get addicted with one use. I mean, the, mm -hmm. because the, the pattern is so strong in the mm -hmm. brain. So why not do something? I always tell people, you can always go back to what doesn't work. Yeah. Let's try something different, you know, and, and if you try something different, it might just work for you that's healthy. Yeah. So in terms of the product, it's like you said, it's it's clinics, but it's such a, it, it, what about the consumer orientated? When can somebody just walk into like a Best Buy or something and say, I'm going to get grab this brain tap off the shelf. When's that going to happen? Well, we we hope that happens in the next five years. You know, we mm -hmm. we haven't hit critical mass. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you if you know about it now, you know we're our, we're on a mission to better a billion brains, and that's mm -hmm. because I believe that we're going to change the field, which means the way people think. Like when the when the four minute mile was broken, they broke it in three different places around the world mm -hmm. within a month. So how did that happen? It didn't, it never broke before. So we're all sharing some kind of consciousness that we're not sure of what it is. Mm -hmm. But I think that right now, because of what happened in the last three years, I think that people are more and more aware that, hey, I got to do something about my stress levels yeah. because stress down regulates your immune system, something called psychoimmunology. We need to get the brain back working. We need to mm -hmm. get the, uh, what happens under stress, it shuts down your frontal lobe, really. Mm -hmm. That's the reason. Yeah. For those that don't know, that's what separates us from most other animals, because we have this massive uh, frontal lobe that allows us to have executive function. But under stress, all that goes away and our gut, our gut brain goes offline. So that gut brain connection then starts destroying, basically mm -hmm. eroding at our health because people start using synthetic ways to jack themselves up like coffee and yeah. um, tea or sugar. You know, well, that's it. Going back to, you know, going back to with a lot of the people that I work with, business owners, entrepreneurs, this is it. You know, you, they're, they're on caffeine, caffeine drinks, they're on coffees, they're on, you know, taking all sorts just to stay awake or you know, just to get themselves through the next meeting. So I do say sometimes it is about managing that stress, managing the anxiety. So, you know, there's brain tap. You know, there are other products on the market as well. But, you know, it's what works for you and it's trying, but raising your awareness and educating yourself to understand what is available for you rather than just going down that same rabbit hole. Right. Yeah, and I think most people who've tried meditation, unfortunately, only 5% mm -hmm. 
people mm-hmm. stick with meditation. Yeah. And I think it's because it's hard because you got your monkey mind in there, uh, especially for a business owner. As soon as they close their eyes, they're thinking about the bills that are due, the people they need to hire, the contracts. Mm-hmm. And that's where brain tap comes in. And there's, there's really three different times of the day that I think every entrepreneur should do a brain tap session or a mindfulness session. If you're, if you've practiced that much mm-hmm. uh, first thing in the morning, because when you wake up in the morning, if your brain isn't regulated, which means the two hemispheres aren't matched, then it's going to dysregulate throughout the whole day. Mm. And eventually you're going to have a dysregulated brain, which leads to anxiety, depression, you know, all the mm. negative emotional states. So first thing in the morning, just a 10 minute, we call it digital coffee, wake the brain up. But in the middle of the day for, for business owners, they should actually schedule themselves at two o'clock every day to do a brain reboot. Because your temperature drops two degrees every day at two o'clock. This is just a biological fact. That's why everybody runs and gets coffee, tea, and sugar at two Mm -hmm. o'clock because they have this dip. But what it really is, these bodies were designed for the Serengeti. They weren't designed for London or New York or San Francisco or New Bern, North Carolina. They were designed, we're we're designed to be laying down, taking a nap next to that zebra, you know, and and saying, wow, I made it another day. I'm fine. You know, I'm going to take this nap, get up. And then we start rocking and rolling again. And then, of course, at night, because sleep is so important, especially so many entrepreneurs you talk to aren't sleeping because they they feel like if they're not doing something, they're not helping their business. But the reality is, if you don't take care of you, you are the most valuable asset as an entrepreneur. You know, you're the reason people buy. You're the reason that they they come to you and you've got to be the sharpest person. And now we know one of the facts that blew me away that happened over COVID was they did an experiment. You know who Tom Brady is, right? The football yes. player? Yeah. Okay. So he sells a product called Recovery Wear, TB12 Recovery Wear. Mm-hmm. That was designed by my science officer. He holds the patent on it. And what he did was uh, Tom Brady wanted to, they pitched it to Tom Brady because he found out, and this is something that the, the betas talked about a long time ago. So it's not something new. It's 10,000 years old, but nobody made, gave it any sense. But we can now measure the light emitted by a person. You emit light. I emit light. Everyone emits light. And it's 8, 10 nanometer light. So that's healing light. Okay. So we all do it. And so with Tom Brady, what we did was we, it, uh, Francisco made this ceramics that go into the clothing that reflect back our own infrared light. So then there was an experiment done in, tw- in 2020 mm-hmm. during the COVID experiment where they showed people who were in a state of gratitude, um, love, peace, tranquility forgiveness, they actually generated 200 times more light from their body than people who were in fear, frustration, Mm -hmm. anxiety, or that were tired. So when you think about as an entrepreneur, you want to be the light, right? You want to be the one that people follow. You want to be the, uh, you have to, it relies on your charisma, your ability to command your, uh, a lot of times by your example. So if Mm -hmm. you're listless, you're tired, or you're snappy, or you, you don't have the resources, you're going to draw the wrong people to help support your dream and vision. You know, you want to be the person that others will follow and then hopefully find people that will do those things you don't want to do. <laughs> so you don't need to well, do them. It. Oh, it's fantastic. It's like you say, it's you know, that whole, again, the whole adage, you, you know, people have a glow about them and they tend to be the ones that are very positive and have that great outlook on life. So yeah, there's something to it, obviously. And <laughs> the science has proven it. <laughs> Patrick, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, talking to you just getting a better understanding I think brain tap like I said my experience of it I thought it was fascinating it needs to be 
definitely more of a consumer device. I mean, you know, there's so many health trackers out there. Um, there's so many other devices that are coming out there. And I think, like you said, using all the different um, uh, properties, you know, with light, vibration, sound and all this, I think it's just key. I think more people can use it, like you said, especially in terms of uh, entrepreneurship, business ownership. I think it's fantastic. But, you know, it's just not limited to that. I think it's it's, it's great. So, yeah, they can they can all try it for themselves if they go to braintap.info. There's a free link. They can download my book, Thrive and Overdrive, and they mm. can also get 15 days free on the app. So, you know, one of the things I always tell people is that we don't want you to believe it. We mm. want you to use it. You know, yes. believe your believe yourself because the the only one that can convince you is you. Yeah. And you know, you can always go back to your stressed out lifestyle. So give yourself 15 days, see how it works. If it works for yeah. you, then keep doing it. And we did prove that it works with just the sound alone. We did a study and also we have a lot of studies that mm-hmm. you can read if you type my name in Amazon. There's we published our recent our recent research. We mm-hmm. have six more to add to that now, but we, we published one from Australia where we worked with the coal miners in Western Australia, these guys never see the light of day, you know, and I was just in West Virginia speaking to the physicians there. Of course, it's a coal miner town there where we're at. And I said, these coal miners, they, it's bad for you, right. To not have the light from the sun and get that, Mm -hmm. that blue radiation that we need from the light. But we were able to improve their sleep scores in three weeks when they used the whole helmet, they got 70% improvement, brought them up to 85% sleep scores on average across the, Mm-hmm. Once that happened, they they maintained that as long as they did three sessions a day. I don't know how long they would have to do it. We stopped the study after six weeks. Oh, okay. But then six weeks, within six weeks, just using the app alone, because we had one group that was just doing that, they received the same. Everybody got to about 80 to 85% sleep score, uh, which was phenomenal. They they all started below 10. Wow. You know, wow. they were they were terrible. And wow. most of them only got um one to two minutes of deep sleep which wow. we need at least an hour of deep sleep to detox the brain. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm fortunate. Thankfully, I, I wear an aura ring and my aura ring tells me I get about three hours of deep sleep a night. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very fortunate. Or, I, you know, you know, thankfully, with everything else that I do, it's constituting for me to have decent sleep throughout the night. I'm getting my seven hours, seven and a half hours of which three to three and a half of deep sleep. So I'm very happy with that. Awesome. And, uh, you know, it does that. Um, Patrick, um, I will be leaving links uh, as part of the podcast episode description so people can go there and uh, check it all out for themselves. And I want to use this opportunity to thank you once again for your time. Uh, I know you're very busy, so for you to be able to give us this time and for the listeners to be able to get this value from you, I think it's fantastic. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for helping to spread my mission. I mean, we want to help people's brains. And if you're listening out there, it's your brain. We want to help right now. So that's good. Thank you. That was Dr. Patrick Porter. What an absolutely amazing human being. And I must admit, I I think we just scratched the surface of what he could talk about and the value he could bring to everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. And please do look out for more guests on future episodes of the Second Success Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Rakesh Rana, The Clear Coach.